Hey guys, welcome to the No Name Podcast. I'm here today uh, with Tyler Sturkey. Hey, what's going on? And so, hey, yeah, thanks for thanks for being here with us hey, today. It's awesome. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. and uh, I guess a little bit of your backstory, just how you came to Effingham because you're not a native Effingham. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, yeah. I uh, Tyler Sturkey. I am the uh, lead pastor at uh, New Hope Church here in Effingham. Uh, coming on this January will be two years I've been in that role. I've been on staff at New Hope this January will be 14 years. So I came on staff in January 2008. Uh, actually grew up in Olney, Illinois, not far from mm-hmm. here, about 45 minutes southeast of here. Uh, born and raised in Olney, home of the white squirrels. Yeah, right. <laughs> Our only claim to fame. And uh, yeah, uh, born and raised there, uh, did my undergrad up at Wheaton College mm-hmm. up in the Chicago area and interned at a church up there uh, for a year afterward. And then through a mutual friend, uh, was introduced to the previous senior pastor who's actually still on staff, Ann Brooks. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, which that's a long, cool story that we don't have time for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so yeah, I came on staff January of 08, uh, soon after about five, six months after, married my now wife of 13 years, Lindsay. And uh, we have twin girls that are seven years old, adopted them at birth. Um, awesome. So Addison and Felicity, call them Addie and Lissy. And so, yeah, they started first grade at the beginning of the fall. So <laughs> going through parenting of young children age. So that's fun and all its challenges and things like that. And yeah. Yeah. It goes quickly. That's for sure. It does very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes fast. So um, I did not know that you had uh, gone to Wheaton. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I had a uh, a friend when when I was living in Costa Rica, me and my family. Um, we called her Aunt Ruth, right? Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what her real name is. Sure. But Aunt Ruth, and she was she was eighty some years old, and she was blind, and she'd been a missionary there uh, for like forty. 50 years. I, I can't even remember the, the amount yeah. of time, like a long time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, she actually went to Wheaton. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And, uh, was friends with <laughs> all kinds of people. But, uh, the, the most impressive was, uh, well, not most impressive, but yeah, yeah. one of the guys that when I heard, I was like, oh my gosh, she had a telegram from Jim Elliott's wife when the plane uh, yeah. When all that went down, right? Yeah. Like we well, actually, found the dorm I lived in my junior year was actually Saint Dorm, like mm. our, the sis, brother sister dorms with Saint Nelliot. Oh, so wow. yeah, Nate yeah. Saint and the whole tip of the spear of that. All, yeah, powerful and, story. And so she had a telegram from from uh, Jim's wife saying, you know, we found the plane, we have not found Jim. You know, wow. and so she's like, yeah, I probably ought to get rid of that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like that needs to be in a, that needs that. to be in like a <laughs> museum somewhere. Wheaton like, College would probably buy that from her. <laughs> I mean, not that it's about the money, but that, that right. would probably be some sort of a yeah. So Wheaton's got some history, man. That's, yeah, I was gonna say Billy Graham. Well, um, she was friends with him as well. Wow, man, yeah. that was whatever whatever year she was. That was the class to be in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. apparently. Yeah. So I met a guy that played in the played like piano for Billy Graham. Uh, in the wow. crusades and stuff that's awesome and she had him over to her house and they had like a hymn singing and he's you know 
like 90 some years old just going to town on the piano you know boy he ran the race yeah it was awesome <laughs> it was awesome that's so awesome i love it yeah cool so um how how exactly would you would you say that you are leading your church into intentional discipleship how are your people being uh discipled there yeah it's a uh, boy there's so many layers to that <laughs> um the pandemic threw everything up in the air. Uh, right. I think it was Craig Rochelle who talked about, and this was like right at the beginning when all this started, talking about the gift of disorientation. Mm-hmm. That this time is actually a gift if we're willing to receive it. Yeah. Because, which is funny, I mean, some of my trepidation of previous senior pastor had been in the role for 20 plus years. And now I'm entering into this role and I know this sounds weird, but I'm thankful that everything got thrown up because there's no blueprints for this. Right. Like where we're at, I'm not being compared to anybody right now, (laughs) which is awesome. Yeah. So, which is like, I mean, my desire was to, for things to be led by the spirit and, and not to follow some kind of predetermined thing. Um, but yeah, it's, We've been having a lot of conversations lately. I'm going to answer your question and kind of not answer your question. Sorry. No, that's all um, right. But it's the, it's the most honest answer, though. Uh, we have been having a lot of conversations lately about our philosophy of ministry. Yeah. Why we do ministry the way we do, uh, like how we do it and why, and why we do it the way we do it. And we're, at, we're in mid-conversation with that. So mm-hmm. kind of where things are going to land it's exciting to see where the spirit is leading and some of that and what, what, what the Lord is showing us in that. Um, because kind of the way we've done discipleship and are still continuing to do it. I mean, obviously spiritual diet of Sunday mornings, preaching, right. teaching, you know, the, that type of thing where we're all assembled together. Um, but then uh, group life is the primary way we do that. People gathering in homes, some gather like in the facility, but mm-hmm. it's in the smaller groups for that what it talks about in Hebrews, stirring one another up to, you know, love and good works and uh, that type of thing. But the pandemic has thrown that upside down to right. where people were either uh, un- unable to or un- unfortunately unwilling right. to, to gather. Um, some could, and you it's almost like going to the gym where as soon as you get out of the discipline of it, um, just, just some people left it and have not returned. And yeah. so, so much of discipleship, I'm finding in my own life and I'm just seeing this pattern is this weird interplay of desire and discipline mm-hmm. and how much they're, they're both necessary and, and uh, both have to be there balancing each other out because when it's all discipline, but no desire, it's dead religion. That's yeah. Phariseeism of, you know, they're, they're doing the right things, but their hearts are far from me type of thing. But then all desire, man, our, our desires ebb and flow and wane and wax. And my, de- my heart fails me at times. And often where desire fails me, discipline takes over or right. that's what it's, that's how the interplay is supposed to work is they're both there to augment and, and complement each other. And so one downside of the pandemic is seeing de- uh, desire disappear in many people. And so mm-hmm. having to s- begin to stir that up in people and, and, and see them for, and for discipline to kind of couple with that. And so anyway, having lots of conversations about 
even moving beyond because this is the metaphor we've used a lot in terms of discipleship of what it looks like for someone to be fully engaged as a disciple in the church and you've probably heard this before this is not a new metaphor we didn't make it up about the cruise ship versus battleship Mm -hmm. where and there's man american culture there's so much around the consumerism of it's like we don't want to entertain an audience we want to raise up an army equip equip an army and so moving away from like, hey, let's just do all these flashy, cool things and entertain people. But it's like, no, we're it's a battleship where we're focused on the same mission and we're calling people to join the army to be a part of what God is doing in his kingdom. But in some of these philosophy conversations, and unfortunately, we're still at the vague part of it because I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, of realizing the battleship metaphor is not even what we're wanting to do or go mm-hmm. for. Rather than being a battleship, we want to be an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm where it's not just come here and be be dependent on us and our programs and the things we do, the professionals, right? but instead we're training and equipping Ephesians 4 to send out. And we're helping people discover what their mission is, what God has called them to do. And then, and then, you know, continually saying that we're, we're a refueling station, Mm. but it's not about being on the aircraft carrier. It's about the mission that is going out and what that looks like adding on those additional steps. So, you know, previously it's like the end goal would be, oh, getting them involved in groups, attending, serving, giving, you know, whatever. That's all good and is a part of being fully engaged. But we realize like there's that for the sake of others part yeah. that for some reason just because it's so easy to become cul-de-sac in yeah. discipleship that it's like I get in my little group and we're just inward focused and we're in our cul-de-sac and it's nice and comfortable and safe, but there's no for the sake of others. And so we're having a lot of discussions about what is that next thing, that additional thing that we've in some ways unintentionally left off that is not pushing people to be for us to be that aircraft carrier that's sending out. And that's a, it's an uncomfortable conversation yeah. of realizing blind spots that we didn't necessarily know were there. Hmm. So yeah, that's a big vague non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no. But that's, that's the right. that's the most honest answer of where we're at. We're we're reevaluating everything the way we do stuff, yeah. and we're excited to see where the Lord is going to lead that. Yeah, yeah. That uh, discipleship for for a long time, right, um, was viewed as we get together and study the Bible. Yeah, you know? and and so. It's so much more than that. When you see how Jesus did ministry, I mean, it's 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 emulating exactly what he did. Yeah. You know, he taught, he allowed them to teach, he he sent them out, yeah. and and so like this this yeah, learning is part of it. You know, yeah, uh, reading reading scripture and sharing with one another. What does that look like for my life? What's that look like for yours? Yeah, right. Um, and then like fellowshipping because the unity of the body, yeah. like. Those guys loved Jesus. You know, I mean, they were yeah. they were they were buddies, <laughs> and yeah. they spent a lot of time together. And but they were on a mission, mm. you know, and and it was clear that they were on a mission because Christ was leading them, and He was showing them that it's not just about our group. And it's kind of shocking, you know? like in the Gospels, like how early in the Gospels He's sending them out. Yeah, go out, heal the sick, cast out the demons. You know, what preach yeah. good news to the poor. I'm just thinking like, cause normally we're like, oh, they have to be like mature before they like, no, yeah, no. no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, 
that's challenging for us too of what we consider ready so yeah 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 for sure yeah that 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 uh, verse that you mentioned ephesians four eleven. Yeah. um man it's so so important for all people to understand that that verse because it's really easy to sit back and go well tyler's got it you yeah. know he's the He's the guy that disciples. He's the guy that shares the gospel. He's the one that uh, that gets people to, uh, you know, uh, put their faith in Christ. It's not me, like, and, and and so if I can get them to the professionals, like, mm-hmm. and so evangelism then becomes me inviting someone to talk to the professional. I just need to sit them down in front of the professional, which I mean, right. people coming to Christ on a Sunday morning or whatever is hugely and important and needed. Yeah. But if it's like that, it's like, no, like you can share your faith just as easily as anybody. We've kind of been in a season where we feel like God has called us to um, just an entirely different level of prayer of just Mm -hmm. seeking after God for the future and just to see his move kind of break out in this region and seeing some just crazy answers to prayer of God show up. And I, I say, and I don't use this word lightly, almost miraculous ways of how he's answering prayer. And people hear those stories and they're like, Oh good, Tyler, can you then pray for this as well? And I'm like, no, you can pray. Like you can yeah. pray. You can see that happen too. Like it's not because I was praying yeah. or anything unique about my faith or whatever. Cause I've, again, that desire wax and wanes. I feel times my faith is weak too Mm. um but it's like man you can walk in like that's the point is to show anyone who believes and follows jesus can live in that as well and that's uh it's a it's it's hard to turn a big ship like that over yeah when we and i've owned that it's our fault the consumerism the reliance on us is our fault. We have reinforced it for decades. Yeah. And so for me to just preach a sermon and give a message and expect it to all change, like, no, this is a, this is a change that has to occur in me as well in terms of how we pursue discipleship. And, mm. uh, who it's a, there's a death that occurs in, in yourself because I mean, there's a sense of pastors like to feel needed. Yeah. And so for me to realize like, no, you're supposed to be spirit dependent, not pastor dependent not church dependent but spirit dependent and that's uh that's hard to let that go in some ways (laughs) i mean it's the it's the it's the idea of like essentially you're trying to work yourself out of a job you're never you're not going to work yourself out of it but like 100 percent. you know the if i if if the church was to fall and there was like in in terms of a building not not in terms of a body sure right like for some reason we can't meet anymore as a church and like we can't put stuff on social media we can't do any of that is the church going to survive yeah you know what i mean like are the people gonna pick up and move hopefully they're already doing that but like yeah you know that that's one of the things that that um us as phoebe crave are are we have these three e's equip empower Mm. and encourage and that's that's basically it right you're equipping them then you're empowering them to do it and then you're encouraging them along the way that's it and and hopefully like you know if feed the crave became no more like the things that we instilled in people are are going to live on for all of eternity like the effects of those things you know and that's that's what we're that's what we're trying to do in terms of discipleship yeah you know right here in the u.s is like equip people empower them to go out and do the works and then and then encourage them through the gathering and the celebration of of what's been going on you know that's so good yeah cool so um you know a lot of times uh 
we don't get to see necessarily like our pastor's, you know, home life, or, so to speak, right? Yeah, sure. Or, or how they um, live out the truths of, of maybe what they preach on a Sunday, right? And um, a lot of times we also think, well, you know, they're the, they're the pastor too. They're supposed to do those things. But um, <laughs> what are some what are some examples of maybe even with your own children, right, mm. that you're doing to intentionally disciple them and lead them uh, to Christ in, in all of life? Yeah. Uh, with my girls being seven now, they're, I mean, going back to kind of that interplay of desire and discipline uh, <laughs> within, because, you know, just something I see in Jesus' ministry, and you mentioned this before, so I'm just coming back to it, of how, I mean, it wasn't necessarily this like program thing that he took them through, but it's like all of life was discipleship. They were living life together. And so recognizing that, I mean, almost every conversation, every moment is an opportunity for discipleship and being at the age that they're at. I mean, there's some discipline stuff we instill and, and try to do praying together and different things like that. And they're just now learning how to read. So in terms of them reading scripture, like we've read scripture to them, but Usually it's not so much now, Um, but I feel like more of my focus is attending to uh, the desire part for them of realizing, because I was having a conversation with someone because they're asking the question, like, how do you know when your child is ready to, you know, come to Christ, to be baptized and stuff like that? And one of the key things that came out of that was when they have an understanding of repentance, Mm -hmm. when it's, when it goes beyond the discipline part of there are rules and I broke the rules and there's consequences for the rules, but to an understanding of like, there's something broken in me yeah, and I know something's wrong. And so I know this sounds kind of almost weird, but it's like, I'm in my prayers for them. And even in my interactions for them, I'm doubling down on trying to get them to realize how, terrible of people they are (laughs) yeah no i i get i get it not that my children are worse than anybody else um but i don't think uh but but some of that is like when they are say and do mean things to each other Mm -hmm. rather than saying hey the rules like you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't say that of of addressing the heart like yeah why did you say that like why did why did you take that from her or pointing and again it sounds horrible pointing out double standards where man we're in the season of this isn't fair yeah nothing well which nothing in life is fair anyway but still they point out something's fair and then turn around and do something unfair and unjust themselves Mm -hmm. and for me to point out the discrepancy i'm like do you see that and at times i see like the wheels turning and not sure and some of that is me just praying for the movement of god in their life for them to have have an awakening to their own sin and their need for jesus and stuff like that but yeah, I mean, it's constant conversations, uh, pointing things to the teachings of Jesus, of how Jesus uh, views us and views them, mm-hmm. how Jesus wants us to treat others. And because we did some kind of a uh, food drive thing back in the summer and whole conversation around that, because they're saying things like, 
you know, why are we giving food to the poor? Why don't they just get a job themselves? Which I'm like, whoa, like you're weeding, you're weeding into oh, political stuff with that. Man. But to just talk about it, it's like, no, when God has blessed us for us to be able to bless those who don't may not have opportunities that we yeah. have and things like that. And it was like you could see formation happening in them. Mm. And for us to lean into that of like, don't waste those conversations. And at the time, it seems like I don't know if you got it. But right. then they'll bring up stuff later because we did some sort of a Bible drive thing where they giving Bibles to people third world countries and they're coming up and asking me out of nowhere. They're like, dad, can I take, can I have your Bible? Which I'm like, you have your own. Like, yeah. this is, this is mine. Why, why? <laughs> but then I find out that it's about the drive. They're hmm. wanting to give Bibles to other people. And I'm like, well, that's out of nowhere. Hmm. That wasn't even prompted by me. And I realized like, okay, sometimes they're getting things in ways that I don't even realize. Yeah. Like God is always at work at their life and I'm just kind of praying for discernment to recognize those moments and <laughs> lean into them the best that I can. Yeah. So. One, it's funny because, you know, when when our children are young, we want them to, to get it and understand it, you know, <laughs> and that's like something that you're, you've seemed to always have a heartbeat on, you know. Yeah. And uh, my children were way too young when I started to talk to them in deep theological means <laughs> eschatological of, realism <laughs> yeah, i mean <laughs> i mean like we sat at the table one time uh and i talked to him for like 45 minutes and i mean they're like my oldest might have been in kindergarten or first grade so like Whoa. yeah they were young and uh so my other is is two years younger than my oldest and yeah. uh we're sitting at the table and you know i laid out the gospel and and all kinds of stuff and and you know, the whole Romans, the way he sent his death and all that stuff. And um, so what I did with that was uh, they would be talking about something unfair. They'd be fighting or be unhappy or whatever. And I would then ask them what they deserved. And their response would be death. Right, because that's what we you went want over. an extra popsicle, but you don't get one because the wages of sin is death. Exactly, and so it's it's funny, but like it's not untrue though. Exactly, and and it actually worked uh, in a way that when when I would I would ask him, "What do you deserve?" It, you could see like the wheels turning, like okay, <laughs> like actually, I, I, it's much. Right now, it's much better than what I truly deserve. Sure, according yeah. to scripture, you know, That's and awesome. so and so now um, I have a daughter who just turned seventeen, uh, one that's fourteen. Yeah, and you could go up and ask them right now, what do you deserve? And they're that's what they're going to say. Dad. Well, I deserve death, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but my my youngest, she was so young that when I asked that question, a lot of times she would say a spanking. You know, oh, so, <laughs> but you're like, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, yeah, but no, <laughs> exactly. But when she said it, we thought it was, we started laughing, you know, and so that became her joke was like a spanking. <laughs> like, okay, that's phenomenal, <laughs> man. Call. Yeah, but it actually turned into something that, like, you know, and you think about that really. Oftentimes, we find ourselves like in the circumstance of the world just sorry for ourselves right yeah and like in this in this pit of despair and it's like what do you truly deserve mm. not not the grace and 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 love that you've been given from the father that's for sure you know yeah. and, and so and what a what uh, a gratitude that produces then when you view th i mean just 
every good thing in my life purely is grace, yeah. purely is mercy. Boy, that's that's a, a perspective changer. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and and so you were talking about earlier the the desire and how you've seen uh, some of that change through through COVID. And do you think some of that is from that that perspective of like fear and and you know just not necessarily people feeling sorry for themselves, but like you know I don't want to subject myself to these things. Or do you think it's an excuse? Uh, well, that's hard to know. Um, <laughs> this is purely opinion here. We're not, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, you're all lazy. No. Um, I mean, I think yeah. it's, I think it's a combination yeah. of both. I mean, there were some that for a period of time, it was fear for some people. It was just, it was a hundred percent excuse. Yeah. Like I, I likened it to the gym thing of, you know, cause it's like the gym that I go to. There's a lot of people that I didn't see for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'd see them out somewhere, and they're like, "Oh no, no, I've been, I've been meaning to come back. I know I need to come back to the gym. I've been meaning to." I realize like I'm having the exact same conversations yeah. with people about attending church that I do about the gym, which shows the importance of uh, discipline mm-hmm. when desire fails us. But it's like, but you take the discipline away, then when desire fails me, then I have there's nothing to fall back on. Yeah, and desire just fails me, and then I'm left where I am, and so figuring out how to re-engage that to stir desire in those people enough to where, okay, I'm, I'm willing to take the necessary difficult steps, even though it's really not that difficult from that perspective to re-engage those disciplines. But I mean, that's the spiritual life is living in the interplay of those two things. And so that's where some of those discussions are of like, how do we speak to desire? Because that's the, I mean, that's something I've noticed over the last season of year or two is the question that Jesus asked people more than anything was a question around desire. Mm. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? Over and over and over again, it was always a question of desire because he's wanting them to look inward and saying, what do you actually desire? Now we know Christ is the fulfillment of any of our desires ultimately. Mm. Yeah. But if we're not aware of it, then we're looking other places. We're anesthetizing ourselves, numbing ourselves with things that don't ultimately satisfy. Um, and so some of that is like, no, look inward and look at that desire. And it's like as you begin to look at that, that awakens and you realize it can really only be ultimately fulfilled um, by Jesus. And then we develop these sacred rhythms that come along it because my desires don't last. They, they yeah. wax and wane and fail. And so desire helps carry me until my desire returns. And so, yeah, I think, you know, that's where the structure of the, of the church, I think is so important in terms of a body. Right. And, and I know anybody that's, that's read the new Testament knows exactly what I'm talking about, where, where Paul's talking about the body. And, and, and so this, this body that when one part, is failing the rest of the body knows right and so uh this this accountability a lot of times we we don't want accountability but man when when your heart's desire is really to connect to your creator in a way that you're satisfied Mm. because it's it's only through him right Mm. and and you begin to be diverted by the world you know, I think about Francis Chan. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, 
this video he's preaching in Simi Valley and he had this big hat on. He had like beer cans and naked Barbie doll and like all this stuff, right? I he's haven't like, seen that. I want to now. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> this is the world, right? Like this, it's yeah. in my face all the time and it's trying to divert my attention. And, and so like, it's, it's easy, especially in today's like world with technology. And I mean, you're, innocently scrolling through social media and something pops up on there and like you're you're off yeah. you know and so um this the these people to hold us accountable to who we say we are yeah right like that's why you proclaim Christ before men is so that they can hold you accountable to what mm. you claim yeah <laughs> and so man the church is it's just so important to have that brothers yeah. and sisters arm in arm like here we go you know hold my arms up like like uh you know they did to to moses yeah and, and let's let's move well even like running with that the language of desire and discipline i mean essentially what accountability like, accountability is it is a discipline hmm. uh it's a because for the longest time i actually hated the word accountability i didn't hate the idea right. of accountability i hated the word accountability because there's just a lot of oughts and shoulds that can run behind that that can be damaging from a like a Pharisee religion kind of perspective. Yeah. But the way I had heard accountability talk about one time, and I feel like because it touches into some of the idea of what I had shared of where essentially accountability is me sharing with you my desires. I desire to be this type of person, mm -hmm. to live in this way, to be transform to right. conform to the image of christ um that type of thing to be this type of husband or this type of employee or whatever and what accountability is is you reminding me of the desires that i shared with you like hey yeah. like you said you wanted to be this type of husband but you're not yeah. what, what's going on what what was there and, it, and then it's going beyond just the you ought to you should um, to a place of where it's looking at the heart, returning yeah. to the heart every time. And w whenever they explained it like that, I'm like, all right, I'm on board with that. <laughs> like that, that, sa yeah. that sounds transformational, yeah. not just uh, check off the list because accountability is a tough thing for both parties that uh, it's hard to keep someone accountable yeah. if they don't want to, it has to be invited for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I don't mean to go off into that, but yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Well, it it always has to come out of relationship for sure. Yeah, you, you know, it can never be like, well, I seen this guy at church one time, and now I seen him here, and I'm gonna go talk to him about what I seen him doing. Or I've gotten approached <laughs> on a Sunday morning, hey, would you meet with my teenage son and keep him accountable for this or that or the other? And yeah. just like inwardly, I like die inside, not because I'm not willing or don't want to, but I know, okay, the mother is inviting that, not the son. Yeah, <laughs> and right. so I'm like this is going to be, this conversation is going to last a hot minute and it's going to be resisted the entire time. Yeah. And it's, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Accountability is, is like, it's tough on both ends because, you know, I've held people accountable and I've been held accountable and, and it's t hard both times. Yeah. <laughs> One, because you have to, well, actually both sides are somewhat similar because you're dying to pride, mm. right? Like you don't want to be that guy that comes at somebody like a Pharisee, right? Like yeah. you're not following the law, right? And so like this, it's uncomfortable to talk to somebody about where they're failing. Like anytime I've done it, it wasn't like, 
man, I want to go tell them what they're doing wrong. <laughs> you did. You know. Quick check for planks in my eye before I go <laughs> yeah. have that conversation. <laughs> right, right. And and so it's it's this dying to pride, and it's like, you know what? I love them enough that I am going to mm. talk to them like because I see the path that they're going, yeah. and I know that's not who they've said they want to be, yeah. right? And, and the other side's like, as soon as you hear it, you realize that they're right, yeah. but you oh. don't want to admit that they're right. <laughs> yeah. And so generally what happens from me is like, you know, I start to grip my teeth and like, I'm angry and I don't necessarily lash out at the person, but I'm just like, let's get through this so I can get out of here. Cause it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh no, yeah, absolutely. And to get, there's a defensiveness and I think that's our flesh Our yeah. flesh rises up and there's a defensiveness of like, we don't, for whatever reason, I mean, we know the reason it's our flesh. It's, it's sin. Don't want to admit we're wrong mm-hmm. ever. So, I mean, what you said, hundred percent humility is such a key uh, part of that. Whew. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Really tough. So if there was one attribute or attitude that, um, that you could say is, is most important in your opinion, uh, for discipleship, uh, what would that be? Uh, Ooh, man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, surrender. Hmm. I mean, there's multiple, right. But, I think for me, surrender, as, I'll start as a disciple. As a disciple, I mean, surrender is such a foundation of me surrendering myself to the work of God, surrendering myself to sometimes hard conversations in which those yeah. I'm living in community with, iron sharpening iron, and that's tough. Um, but even as a discipler, as you're making disciples, uh, of recognizing... I'm going to do what I've been called to do in terms of investing in this person's life, mirroring back to them the desires they've expressed to me, and ultimately surrendering that to God and recognizing their spiritual path and journey ultimately Mm -hmm. is not on me in the sense of, I mean, not that uh, there's no responsibility there, but ultimately it's God's work. God is the one at work in their life. And because I remember someone asking me this question and it haunts me the more I think about it. Uh, They asked, who is in charge of your relationship with God? You or God? Hmm. And I didn't like the answer that I realized was true, at least initially of like, most of the time I view myself as in charge of my relationship with God. But I think as someone making disciples, the same question is, who is in charge of this discipleship relationship? Is it me? Or is, or is God ultimately the one at work in their life? Meaning sometimes I have to trust God to be God in their life, even when they may be resisting or turning away or walking. And it's like, and I do my part. I do my responsibility to, uh, to meet that, to hold that accountable. But ultimately I have to surrender that Mm -hmm. and release control. And I think control is an operative word with that of like, I don't control that relationship. I'm doing what God has called me to do and try to be faithful to that. But ultimately, I have to let God be God. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms. It's both freeing and frustrating. Those are the <laughs> words I use a lot. Yeah. It's freeing and frustrating. It's freeing in that I, I'm, I'm not in control, which is very freeing. But it's also frustrating because there's sometimes where I want to be in control. <laughs> yeah. more, more than sometimes want to be in control. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – it's funny because – 
like the our primary disciples, I would say, are if you have children, are you generally your children? Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. who you're with all the time. And I mean, those are your primary disciples, right? And so uh, that's one of the things that I try to remember in my own mind. Like, while these children are mine, right? Yeah. Really, they're God's children, and He's bestowed them upon me and 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 entrusted me in raising them, right? So, um, oftentimes when they do things that are disrespectful to me or my wife or just things in general, right? I like to remind them, like, you know, I'm in charge of, like, saying this is going to be your punishment, right? But ultimately, like, God has put me in charge of that. So no, like, yeah, you sinned against me, but greater than that, you sinned against God. Yeah. Like, far greater than sinning against me. Hmm. And, and... I always try to turn their eyes back to the one that really matters in the relationship, you know, like while I'm your earthly father and and parents, but like ultimately (laughs) you're responsible to God. Yeah. There's deeper spiritual implications behind some of that. Yeah. There was a, I remember someone praying for me once because you just go into seasons of parenthood where you're weary and you know, you have teenagers, (laughs) you, you know, um, that of just weariness and parenting, you feel like you're failing or, you know, whatever. And I remember the person praying for me. And one of the things they said, man, it just struck me and it's, oh, and it's just stayed with me where they prayed, remind Tyler, Lord, that you love his children more than he does. Mm, yeah. And I never thought of it like that. Yeah. That he, God loves our children more than we do, mm-hmm. infinitely more than we yeah. ever could. And so he wants their best more than we do. We think yeah. like if we don't take care of them or we don't want their best, no one will. But it's like, no, God is in their corner even more than we are. And so I have to like remind myself that of like, God, I know you love them more than I do. You want to see, you want to see, you want to move in their life more than I want you to move in mm-hmm. their life. And I have to remind myself that to encourage myself in times of weakness. Yeah. So no, yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good. So, yeah, it's, uh, discipleship is messy, difficult all the way around. Yeah. Uh, no matter if it's with your children, because there's a lot of hard conversations that have to be had there. (laughs) Yeah. Or if it's with. And you're the last person they want to have that conversation. Exactly. Exactly. That's what, that's where I'm like calling my friends like that have a relationship with them, right? That are parents. Like, hey, you mind? Like, I'll have this conversation with them, but I want you to have it with them too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that takes a village. <laughs> exactly, because what I've noticed, especially with my children, is that I could tell them the same thing a hundred times over, and somebody else tells them one time, and they're like, "Oh, you should have heard what so and so said." And you're like, "What? What? What have I been saying?" Exactly. <laughs> I told you that like. Your entire life. <laughs> God knows. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. knows and he'll yeah. It was sometimes it's frustrating though. It's like, okay, God, it was your timing, but couldn't it have been me? <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, just a little credit, just a little bit of credit. <laughs> oh man. But hey Tyler, thanks for being here, man. Hey, that was, Sean, uh, it was my, my pleasure. Thank you so much.
for yeah. having me on. It was awesome. Maybe we can have you again sometime. I, mean, hey. I think there was a lot of things that we kind of like over. Oh, yeah. That, man, we could have talked Start for. Start to go down like, ooh. Yeah. We go down that trail. <laughs> We're not going to be coming back for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, hey, thanks for having hey, Or thank thanks you. for being here, not having me. I, yeah. I had you. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on to my podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm taking it over by the note. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Hey. Thanks again. Stay tuned. We'll have uh, some more stuff coming up for you, and uh, we'll see you soon.